Well, I was 27 years old. I was happily married. And we had just had our, our third son. Count them, three boys. And it was exciting. It was a time of, of great joy, but it was also, uh, it was also a time to kind of go, wow, what, what are we doing here? Like, do I have what it takes kind of thing? You see, a little bit about me at that point in my life. I had played basketball since I was in middle school and other sports, but basketball was my favorite and I was my, uh, I was, was what I was best at, you know. Um, accolades like first team all-conference, all-league MVP, uh, all-state, even all-American were part of the list of things that I could say about my career. But now my career was over and yet I still had some type of identity to being that, that player, that, that basketball player, you know? But I'm married to a beautiful, lovely wife, Vangela. Say hi, Vangela. There she is. And yet, I'm struggling to figure out, like, what are these boys that are just little boys, what do they need from me? And I, I knew how to score points and lead a team to victory, but I didn't know very much about leading a family or loving a woman, truly loving a woman. And the challenge that, that I came to like face-to-face with that, that moment, there was a moment where it just hit me like a ton of bricks. The issue for me was many women, they don't know how it is to be truly cherished by their man. For a lot of women, I think it's true, they know what it's like to be occasionally desired. And that was my story with my wife. I just wasn't shown what it's like to truly lay down your life for your, for your, for your wife and to truly know how to lead my family and to teach these boys. You know? And one of my mentors said to me, Jason, you, you got a lot of learning and growing up to do. But I said, what do I, how do I teach these boys to be men? And, and my, one of my mentors, Mike, he said, you need to become the man you want your boys to be. I was a teacher. I was a coach at that point. I could teach and coach people what to do, but I had some character flaws. I had issues. Any other guys have issues in your 18 to 20, 30s, 40s? <laughs> I mean, I had issues, y'all. I'm glad I'm not alone in this room. I think for many of us, and for many of us, uh, we grow up and we grow into bigger shoes and our toys are more expensive, but really what we are, are a bunch of boys with beards. And we really, I don't know when it is, but for me, it was 27 years old. And that's when a few other guys got around me and said, Jay, it's like, I'm asking for help. And they're saying, fine, let's, let's go. Let's talk about this. And let's, let's lean into this. And soon after, that's kind of where things started to turn for me. It turned for our marriage. Praise God. We're still together. 26 years? Seven? Six. Yes. Woo. 26 years married. Yeah. And so um, here's the thing, though, ladies. On behalf of all men, and please hear me, on, on behalf of all men who just didn't know how to treat you when we were so much younger, uh, please forgive us. 
we, we, had, we have a lot of growing up to do. And, and be patient with us. And, and I, I believe if you just give us time to mature and to become, um, I think it'll be well worth the wait. But I tell you, it was a challenge for me. Now, I was thinking about my boys, you know, and becoming that man. And I was taught four pillars of manhood by these men that really helped me stand on anything and everything that comes into, like, being a man. And those four pillars are reject passivity, which is like, don't be lazy. The second one is take responsibility. Take responsibility, not even just doing the right thing, but take responsibility when you mess up. Because when you mess up, you should fess up, right? The cover-up is worse than the crime. Just ask Bill Clinton. And so... Uh, the third pillar of manhood is lead courageously. It's learning how to lead, not without fear, but with the presence of fear, and yet still do what's right, take the very next best step. And then the fourth pillar of manhood was learn to invest eternally. And this was a tough one for me at 27, because I had grown my whole life being the kind of guy that I sought approval from so many people and not as much with God. I was more worried about what you would think than what Jesus would think of me. And I acted and behaved accordingly. I had to learn that seeking the greater reward was the reward that would be make my Father in Heaven smile. And that would be a reward that would be eternal. Okay, So those four pillars really helped me become part of who the man I am today. Now, Ever since those formidable years in my mid-twenties, I've been drawn to being with other men, helping them find their true north, and leading them to follow Jesus' example of grace, truth, and love. It's just interesting. So how about for you? For many Christ followers, their biggest struggles, think about your biggest obstacles in life. Our biggest struggles, when we hand them to, to Jesus, can become our biggest victories. Some of our biggest tests and trials become our greatest testimonies. When Jesus is involved, when God gets involved. I don't know, what about you? Maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now and you're struggling and you're not sure which way is north or which way to go, what step to take. Know this, that that in John 10, Jesus was talking to people in the midst of a challenging time. And he said, there's a, there's a thief. He's talking about Satan. He's talking about the evil one. And this thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to take everything that this life would offer you, and, and especially what God would offer, and just destroy it. Death and destruction. But Jesus is like, listen, I have come that you would have life. And even Shelley used the phrase, life abundantly. Like, if you want this abundant life, there is, there is a way to go about it, and it's through following Jesus Christ. Um, I was young, I was weak, I was a self-centered man, and God sent me to boot camp, and I learned how to lay down my life for my wife, how to truly cherish her. And ever since those early years, you know, I've spent my life teaching boys and other men how to follow Jesus. And so it's an interesting thing. When you get rescued from something, uh, you sometimes realize, you know what? I can help somebody else walk that same path. 
I've been to the mountain. Now I'm back down in the valley and the hills. I think I can help somebody get back up there. And, you know, many addicts uh, become drug and alcohol counselors. Many women saved from abuse go back and become advocates for others, right? It's something that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's like a great representation of redemption and restoration in the gospel. Is that we're saved to serve and we're saved to rescue others. So I guess my point today, we're going to get into Acts chapter 15, but I share some of that to just say living the gospel forces us to connect with others and share what's good about God. That if we're truly going to live the gospel life, which is a redeemed life, which is a a life not without mistakes, but it's a life with forgiveness and grace and lessons learned, that if we're going to live the gospel, living the gospel forces us to connect with others and share what's good about God. Now, the early church in Acts was having a similar conversation. You see, there were people that felt like this gospel message was for a certain group, God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, the Jews. The king of the Jews was for the Jews. Even the disciples had some challenges with it. Peter for one of them. And so he had a stumbling block. He had an obstacle when it came to sharing the gospel, telling other people what's good about God. But Jesus taught something different. And yet they were having this huge debate. It was as if there was a council meeting, leadership meeting, and they were discussing, are we really going to go to the Gentiles and go to other people and nations and, and, and like share with them? Like, and some people are like, I don't know. I, I want to see. Is this really... We've got to see some proof or something. God needs to show us. And it's like, weren't you there? Didn't you listen to Jesus when he taught? Now, something amazing happened. When Jesus went to heaven after the resurrection, he, he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be a counselor, to, to be a comforter, to be our guide, to make Scripture come alive to us and speak to us. The Bible talks about in the New Testament the mystery of the gospel. That why would the gospel be mysterious? And to me, I think those words in the Greek, the mystery is here's something that's hard for people to understand. So people are like, it's, I don't know, it's a mystery to me. The mystery of the gospel, it says in Scripture, is Christ in us. That the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And that is the beauty and the power of the gospel. Now in Acts 2, the Spirit of God comes down on the disciples and they speak to hundreds, thousands of people in their native tongue. They're all speaking different languages. People are hearing the gospel message for the first time in their own language. This was huge, the day of Pentecost. Now, people got political about who really deserves God's favor. People were getting uh, argumentative about who should really be qualified. So let's read about this church discussion. They're discussing things in church. We're going to pick it up in verse 7 of chapter 15. This is when Peter, who was, he had this issue himself. He he struggled with this issue himself. Now he's going back to say, no, I, I, I think we're supposed to rescue all people. Like Jesus said, in verse 7, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you 
that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Listen to the next line. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the what? The Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. So he says, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. You know what the debate was? Circumcision. The Jews were like, well, we had to get it done, so you guys need to get it done. And they're like, what? And they had arguments. There was other things about uh, just their ability to be sanctified and, and justified before God. And Peter's like, it's just like us, saved through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so living the gospel forces us to connect with others and share what's good about God. The earlier believers lived as examples of what a redeemed people look like under the rule and reign of God. We need to proclaim the good news. We also need to practice living the gospel. So what does that look like in your life? What does it truly look like? If you were to answer the question, hey, what does living the gospel look like to you? Say that again. Yeah, giving or offering forgiveness. What else would you say? Living the gospel looks like what? Wow, you guys said that in unison almost. <laughs> Loving others. Yeah, learning how to truly love others. That's a, that's a whole other discussion. What does it look like to truly love someone, right? Love in the form of Christ's love. Agape love is that love that lays down their life for another. One of the metaphors of agape love is the kind of love the Bible says God has for us is the love of a, of a mother for her newborn baby. She would do anything for that child. The gospel isn't a program. The gospel isn't a prescription. It's not a routine. It's not a special language you learn at church. The gospel must be lived out. And it looks different for different people, different strokes for different folks. I'm going to ask Joe and, and Angie, and either, either one of you can speak on this. But a couple weeks ago, I took Vangela on a, on a late date. It was, I got home late from work, and I'm like, are you hungry? She's like, yeah, I'm kind of hungry. I go, let's go get something. So we went to Scooters. <laughs> and we walk into Scooters, and there's Joe and Angie. And, and we got to talking with them. But I learned a little bit about them, and I thought this is a cool example for us and for, for them to share. Why do you guys go to Scooters on Wednesday nights? <laughs> so it's youth group time for Natalia, and it's like, hey, no kids, right? Let's have a date. Now, you, you have kind of a purpose when you go, though. There seems to be something. You said to me, it's kind of like our cheers, where everyone, everybody over 45 just said that. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Everybody knows your name. Everybody like, cheers? What does that mean? That's what you say when you raise a glass? I mean, what? Why? What's about? What, what is your mission? What is your, what are you doing there? We communicate with people. We meet people locally. 
Yeah. 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 You know each other enough to where you can talk about stuff or follow up. Hey, how did that go last week or whatnot? Now, understand, this is what caught me, guys. And this is why I'm even bringing this up. We see Joe and Angie, and they leave. And on their way out, this waitress slash bartender, Jen, who's really awesome. She's not here today, right? I don't see Jen. Okay. I don't want to talk about her whether they're here and then be like, hey, hi. I mean, I do and I don't, but I would. Anyways, uh, she said this. They're leaving. And she goes, see you guys. Love you. And I went, Ooh. What did they, what? We're in like a restaurant bar. The bartender just said to Joe and Angie, love you. And I don't know if you guys said it first or what. That's what just caught me. She yelled it. And I said to Vance, did you hear that? And she goes, I think she said, I love you or love you, you know. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Maybe that's everybody. I'm like, nope, there's another couple that left. They didn't get the same. And I'm like, she didn't tell me that she loved us, you know. Like, I guess I should tip more. I don't know. And, uh, and then the next week, I said, honey, let's go back and hang out with Joe and Angie and get to know them better. And, and sure enough, um, when we were leaving, actually the first week when we were leaving, Jen came by to our table and, and, and uh, basically we were like, oh yeah, you know Joe and, and Angie. And she's like, yeah, they're great. I love those guys. And then she, we got to talking, and somehow church came up. I don't know how and what, but, but Evangela might have mentioned it, or I... Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, we're friends from church. And, and then Jen started asking questions. And next thing you know, she's like, huh, that might be fun. I mean, where do you guys meet? And so we told her where the church was, right? Kind of DeBarco. And you, you know, if you've ever explained where Living Way is, people are like, huh? Like, you have to explain it, and you got to go, okay, DeBarco. Right? No, no, Left. At 211, you know, and they're like, really? There's a church back there? They're like, yes, best kept secret in Sandy. <laughs> and anyways, so the, the second week comes in, and we're having uh, dinner. We sat at the same table this time. You had some cool friends there, and uh, we just got to talking. And then there it is again. They leave, and they're like, love you to us now. So I got the love you, you know. <laughs> I totally felt like one of them, you know. And then Jen said it again, and it was just like, this is just cool to me. And I think what's happening is when they're living the gospel, just kind of being, being kind and, and loving, and there's just something special there. I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool. Would you say anything else about that? Yeah, it's contagious, it's infectious. It's, it's joining Jesus in his rescue mission, right? But it's, it's easier to just stand on the street corner with a sign that we spray painted and with a megaphone and just tell people they're going to hell, right? It's a lot easier? No, no, I don't know how many people they actually went to uh, Christ doing that. But it's way better with the long play, which is, means the relationships you have, your fam, family, friends, coworkers, people you see, there's something special about being intentional. And that's what I'm talking about today, is living the gospel means we have, are forced to connect with others 
And then when we connect with them, we got to be intentional about sharing what's good about God in our lives. A couple uh, quotes here. Erwin McManus is a pastor down in uh, Southern California of the church Mosaic. Very diverse, one of the most diverse churches in the, in the world. Uh, one of the most creative and artistic churches in the world as well. Erwin almost died of cancer. And then he, he survived. And he, he's, he's like dedicating his life to like teaching, number one, men, what it means to be a warrior for God. He, the Way of the Warrior is his latest book. And it's not what you think. It's not a Braveheart-style book. It's real tender. It's soft. That real men can be strong and soft. That they can be a warrior and they can be tender. A tender warrior. He's what he teaches. He says this. When you get up in the morning and face your fears and you bring shalom, which means peace, when you bring peace to others, you are participating in the redemption of of the universe. When you get up in the morning and face your fears, he calls it staring down the wolf, the fears in your life, and you bring peace to other people, you're participating in the the redemption of the universe. Another quote, Steve Addison wrote a book called What Jesus Started, and that's the gospel movement, the great commission to go and make disciples of all people, all nations, baptizing them in in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He says this, and this is a great um, picture for us, guys. If you want to follow Jesus, then we have to follow his example. Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. He walked from village to village looking for people. On the road, in the marketplaces, and synagogues, churches, temples, in private homes, in public places, by the lake, and in the temple, at a wedding feast, and at a funeral at a banquet with sinners, and a meal with Pharisees. Wherever the people were, Jesus went. The good shepherd was looking for lost sheep. The good shepherd was looking for lost sheep. One of the challenges with churches today is we can get so focused on ourselves. We can get so inward that we're we're, we're not looking for anyone to share the gospel with. And so that is a challenge. In the same manner, Jesus sends us out into the world to connect with people. So how we treat others can make or break our ability to share the gospel. How we treat others can make or break our ability to share the gospel with others, to share about God. So I believe this, and I was told this by one of my mentors again, and and it really has, has been true in my life for decades. He said, Jason, if you take good care of people, everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will take care of itself. Learn how to take good care of people. Everything else will take care of itself. In Hebrews, the author is trying to discuss and teach what it means to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Right? Hebrews 12. And so it's like there is this there is this context that we are not alone. Their people are watching. Whether it's your three boys, your children, your family, it's, whether it's your, your friends, your coworkers, it's like we're surrounded. And he says in, in, in verse 14, Hebrews 12, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. How much effort do you put into living in peace with everyone around you? How much effort do you put into your social media accounts to live at peace with everyone who doesn't think the way you think or agree with you? There was a crazy incident uh, this past week at Sandy High School with Reynolds High School and the girls' basketball team that some of you might have read about or heard about, but racial slurs were exchanged and one team walked off the court right in the middle of the game and left. And it's, caught, it's, it's become a kind of a, it's, it's been on the local news, national news, and it's become kind of a firestorm situation on just racial issues and uh, tolerance and whatnot. And I've got, I know people on both sides. I have friends on both sides that are like, well, this is what I heard and this is what I heard. And it's like, wow, there's two sides to every story, but this story is kind of ugly. There's no way around it. You can't paint this uh, pretty. It's a challenge. But I'm seeing people that, are, that I know are friends that are just going at each other. Just going at each other. Uh, it's, it's ugly. So we must live normally but think missionally. We've got to realize we're, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. What we do and say does matter. If your, family, if your family planned a tactical kingdom mission, like if you guys got together and said, hey, what can we do to stay on mission, to live the gospel this week? What would it look like? What would it be? Who would the targets be? It's a target-rich environment, friends. We've got a lot of people that are hurting, that need hope, that need encouragement. What about your workplace? Here's another side of things. Maybe your mission is a mission of reconciliation. Maybe you have a broken relationship and God is tugging on your heart that, hey, one way to show the gospel is to be humble and to ask for forgiveness. Maybe even, maybe even the other side. Maybe one way to, to live the gospel is to, even though you've been wronged, even though you're still in pain, offer forgiveness. And then the, let's take it one more level. Maybe you need to forgive yourself for something you've done. One of the biggest challenges for me becoming the man that my, that my the husband that my wife deserved was to forgive myself for my failures. Was to not be the man that kept just returning to either the same sin or the same shame of that sin and, and just come clean and repent and, and learn from it. We're better together. And so there are people in our lives that can, well, if you let them in, that can really help you. You know what it's like to be mentored or to help someone train or coach you? It's inspirational. Maybe you're that person for someone else. But we are better together. Together, we're better. Now, here's one of my passions. One of my passions is to encourage, equip, and inspire men of all ages, young and old, to grow, to follow Jesus, and to grow personally and spiritually. That is one of my like, life missions, to be an encourager, to be, and to inspire men to follow Jesus, to equip them with tools to be a better husband, better brother. And uh, I get to do that. I got two men's groups that I get to serve and lead uh, weekly 
One at work, we started at work, kind of a mentor program, it's pretty cool. The reason today's schedule is even kind of funky is when, when Sam called me and, and told me he, wasn't, he was sick, he said, uh, can you teach? And I said, yes, but I have a commitment at 12 o'clock with Teen Challenge. You guys know what Teen Challenge is. They have a boys home um, here in Portland. It's actually in Estacada where I work, and we're, we're, we're working on a mentor training program where I'm going to get to teach authentic manhood to the guys at Teen Challenge there. And they're going to come to our place of work in our conference room, and we're going to go through looking at the life of Jesus and how we can become better men. And it's like the thing that I was weakest at when I was 27, God now allows me to teach others. And I, I teach them not as uh, one who has it perfected. I'm like, hey guys, I need Jesus just like you do. Every day. And we get to grow together. Iron sharpens iron, right? And it's a beautiful thing. But I got to get to Milwaukee by 12 for a fundraiser. And I get to meet some of these guys that are going to come into the mentoring program. And so that's one of the reasons why we're changing the schedule. And uh, it's cool that there's flexibility here for us to do ministry, not just here. It's not just about Sunday morning. Guys, this is like one Thanksgiving meal. And who can live on one meal for the whole week? I mean, there's leftovers, yeah. All right, if you do it right. But I'm talking about this is one healthy meal that we can nourish and digest spiritually. But man, we have to be doing things throughout the week to continue to live the gospel, to be on mission with Jesus, to connect with others. We're forced to it because we want to follow Jesus. And that's what he's all about, is going into the jungle, into the forest, and looking for those lost sheep. So, I was saved to help rescue others. What is God whispering to you this morning? What is God whispering to your heart in one of those ways? Is he whispering for you to be more uh, living that gospel message more? What would that look like? Would it look like Joe and Angie hanging out consistently and getting to know people like Jen? that someday we'll come through these doors and we'll welcome her with a holy hug. I got a quick question for you. Who would you say has the best burger in town? Throw it out there. Brady's? All right. I've had their burger. That's a pretty good burger. Anything but burger. What about pizza? What's your go-to pizza? If you're having pizza for lunch, where are you going? Sparky's, Wall Street, Smokey. Smokey's good. Okay, has anyone seen a good movie lately that you would recommend? Or a TV series? Reacher, that's a good one. Yeah. I was watching Snowpiercer. That's an interesting one. I like that. Uh, a movie I just watched with one of my men's groups was um, the Under, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Fabulous, fabulous movie. Recommended. It's not just a sports movie. It's, it's got everything in it. Now, ladies, do you have a favorite hairstylist? Is that, an, is that yeah? That you, that's a go-to? Yeah? Some of you are like, I do my own work. <laughs> I mean, my wife does mine, you know what I'm saying? It's pretty good. Now, uh, here's my point. Why do I ask you those silly questions right now at the end of our sermon? People talk about what they love. 
You sit down with someone and then you're going to do small talk. Guess what? They're going to start talking about something. They just love. I love this pizza, this burger. Oh, man, this show I'm watching. You should check it out. How much do you love God? And why is it so hard for us to tell people good things about God? I think we can get better. Yes? I think we got to find good ways to talk about our greatest love. Imagine what our restaurants and our neighborhoods and our, our stores would look like if we joined forces to live the gospel, to connect with others, and to tell people what's good about our God. Just imagine if we did this together, what this town could look like, what our schools could look like. I want to I invite Patterson's to come back up here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a scripture. You see... Peter was struggling with taking the gospel to Gentiles. And, and, and Jesus gave him a vision on top of a roof. And it changed everything. And he realized, okay, this is for everyone. What he was struggling with, he actually became a champion of. In speaking to this council. And so we all are equipped to share the gospel. We all have hurts and habits and hang-ups. We all have a past that in some way, I believe, if you follow Jesus, then you have a story of redemption in your life. Maybe you can just think about today how God can use that story to help another find Jesus. In Hebrews, if you continue reading, and one of the things I like to do when I'm teaching a text in Acts as I read a few chapters before and a few chapters behind, I get good context. I just really try to kind of soak into the scripture. And in Hebrews, I kept reading chapter 12. And I came across a verse I thought would be a great closing verse. And it's about our relationship with God, our response to him. He says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, you just kind of, Kind of picture what that might look like for you? We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful, it says, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Maybe you need a reminder of who is sitting on the throne. Maybe you need a little encouragement today. Maybe you had a rough week. Maybe it's time for you to forgive yourself so that you can move forward. Whether it's a relationship or whether it's your own personal healing or spiritually. We have an unshakable God. So let's prepare our hearts to enter back into worshiping Him with reverence and awe. God, we, we are in awe of you as, as, we, as we recognize what you've done for us. While we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us on the cross. And you died for all of us. Not some of us, not who's perfect and who who talks the right language and, and 
does the right things. But God, Jesus, you, you died for us. That in the midst of our struggle, you want to be right there with us. In the areas that we are ashamed to admit, you're there. And you could lead us out. You could lead us into healing and restoration. So God, I pray strength and courage for my brothers and sisters here today. I pray that same prayer for myself that I would continue to reject passivity, to take responsibility for myself and for those you've entrusted for me to love and, and lead and serve. And God, give us, help us to lead with courage so that everything we do is an eternal investment, that we are only on this earth for a short period compared to the rest of our lives. So help us live on mission. We join you, Jesus. Help us not waste today. We only get one copy of today. Help us to make the most of what we have left. 